0: And uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Thank you guys so much. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 in the precious word of God. And I want to encourage you to join us again this afternoon at 5 o'clock. We'll gather uh, to observe the Lord's Supper. And such a a special time to do that. And so I pray that you'll do that um, as unto the Lord. That's what the Lord told us. Amen. He said, this do ye in remembrance of me. And so that's what we'll do later today, five o'clock for the Lord's Supper. Psalm 23, if you'll notice with me, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David writing here, he says, beginning in verse number one, notice he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He says, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth My soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He goes on, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. He said, my cup runneth over. And then he says these words, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And uh, we could say amen and amen, right? Well, two weeks ago, uh, again, thank you for being here. We began our looking at some significant truths here from Psalm 23 and found uh, in this most recognized and really this most blessed psalm of all, really, Psalm 23. When When you talk about psalms with people... Uh, Most people will say, oh, oh, I know that, I know that. Even if they're not uh, a believer, even if they're not going to uh, worship on a regular basis or a Bible study on a regular basis, when you talk about the Psalms, Psalm 23 is one of those recognizable Psalms. The sad reality is that many unbelievers will say, man, it's so pretty. And yet this Psalm is written explicitly to believers. Believers. This is a very personal psalm. And so uh, as I shared a couple of weeks ago, God used this psalm all down through the years. He's used it to bring fresh strength and hope and comfort and encouragement to his people all down through the years. And it is my prayer, as we started a couple of weeks ago, it's my prayer that God will do that again as we look at this passage. And now as we continue this study, I want you to look with me. Because right off the bat, it's imperative for us to know some things. Every line of this psalm... Now, write this down if you're a note-taker. Every line of this psalm is about the Lord. Number one, every line of this psalm is about the Lord and what He does for His people. Notice... He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness. But not only is every line of this psalm about our Lord, this psalm, it's important to understand also that every line of this psalm is about us. Because it's not only about what the Lord does, it's about what the Lord does for me and for you and for everyone who names the name of Jesus. Amen? Notice it again. Now put the imperative or the inflection, if you please, on the personal pronoun the Lord is my shepherd the Lord uh, makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness so we see that every line is about the Lord but every line is also about what the Lord does for us as his sheep and so we have to understand that he's doing some beautiful things for us here And uh, in our first message, if you look back at verse number one, we were reminded a couple of weeks ago that the Lord is our shepherd. Now, that's important. He's not a shepherd. He is the shepherd. Anybody out there today? Anybody out there? He's not a shepherd, little a. He is capital T, the shepherd of our souls. That ought to get us excited this morning. It gets me excited knowing that I have somebody who is leading, guiding, directing, restoring, and on and on in my life. I don't have to worry about it. See, that's what we are. We're worrisome creatures. We try to do everything in our own strength and in our own power, in our own might. But I know this. The Bible tells us that the arm of the flesh fails us. And so it's a comfort to know that the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord God. Excuse me, the Lord God, Jehovah, the shepherd of our souls. And since he is creator and sustainer and owner of everything, remember we said this, and this ruffled our feathers a little bit when I say it, and it may ruffle your feathers this morning. Remember we said that not only is the Lord the shepherd, but the Lord the shepherd, he owns everything. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, we love it when we say, Oh, he he, owns—he—he not only owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills and on and on. But when we think about it on a very personal level, when we say the Lord owns us, we're like, whoa, nobody owns me. I do what I want, when I want, and how I want. Remember I said a couple of weeks ago, good luck with that. Good luck with that because no man or no woman is an island unto themself. And so the Lord owns the sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep. And we also discussed the reality in week number one that is when a shepherd takes ownership, he actually takes ownership in one of two ways. In a, in a very earthly sense, even a shepherd, he takes ownership in one of two ways of a sheep. A sheep is either bought and added to that shepherd's flock or that sheep is born into the flock. And remember we said in week number one, the beautiful thing is that in Jesus we get both. We've been bought We've been bought with a price, as the Bible says. And we have also been born into the flock, as 1 Peter 1.23 says, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Listen, we have been bought and we have been born into the flock, the holy flock of God if you please, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to know that this has been done by our great shepherd. Oh yes, Romans 8 and Ephesians 1 also allude to the Holy Spirit's part in all of this as well, but the owner and shepherd of his sheep, when we think about that, we say, well, if the shepherd is my owner and he is the leader of me, he is, he is the shepherd, so to speak, what do I get out of it? Isn't that what most people want? They want to know, hey, if I'm a sheep, what do I get by having the shepherd in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible gives us a lot of evidence of what Jesus does for his sheep. You may recall a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I was quoting Colin Smith, the evangelist and pastor, English evangelist and pastor. He said that the quality of our lives, he said the quality of our lives as sheep watch this, depends entirely on our shepherd. The quality of our lives depends entirely on our shepherd. And this psalm, look with me, because it's painting... Listen, I didn't want to point out Darren, he's a wonderful painter, but Scripture even paints a beautiful, a more beautiful mosaic, Darren, than even Darren could do. Notice it says here, what does the shepherd do for us as his sheep? Look at verse number 2. If you're a note taker, here's the, here's the main bullet for today. And you're like, man, this is going to be really high stuff. Here it is. I'm going to keep the cookies right down because, see, I, I want some cookies too, right? And I can't reach very high. So we're going to keep them down at the lower level. But here's here's the point for today. The shepherd will lead his sheep. The shepherd will lead his, watch emphasis, the shepherd will lead his sheep. He's not leading somebody else's sheep. He's leading his sheep. And so that's important to understand. As bought and born again believers into the flock, we are his sheep. And because of this, you and I can take comfort knowing that the good, the chief, the good, the great, the chief shepherd of our souls is leading us every day. You know, when you stumble and you say, man, I don't have anybody to lead, guide, or direct my life. If you're a believer, you do. He leads his sheep. Oh, listen, look at verse 2 and 3, because David says it over and over, as if we need to be reminded, not just once, but two or three times, he says, look in verse 2, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. So here's what he does. Here's what the shepherd does. He makes me to lie down. He also leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And then notice the last part of verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So one of the first blessings of belonging to this holy flock of God is that Jesus christ the righteous leads us i don't know about you that excites me you know what excites me is david actually states this here as a fact he doesn't state it as a question he says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me Beside the still waters. Verse 3, he leadeth me in paths of righteousness. He's saying these things as a matter of fact, not a matter of question. And listen, the beautiful thing is that if I believe that the Lord is leading me, the shepherd is leading me, I don't have to worry about where he's leading me. And I I don't have to ask myself, you know, does the shepherd really care about me or not? I can tell you this world doesn't care about you. Can I say this lovingly? Your job doesn't care about you. You say, well, I have a good boss. I'm not trying to beat anybody's boss down. I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of things, we are all expendable. Anybody ever lost a job? Anybody? Can I get a witness, as the old-time preacher would say? Can I get a witness? This world isn't concerned about you. But there is one who is concerned and cares about you. And you know, Scripture has a beautiful way of reminding us that the shepherd cares for his sheep. In fact, in John ten ten. Jesus Christ, he said this, I am coming that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In Psalm 91, the psalmist said in verse number 11, for he, speaking of the Lord, shall give his angels. Who, who do the angels belong to? Who do the angels belong to? God, the shepherd of our souls. So he's gonna give his angels, they belong to him, he owns them, he owns everything. He owns them, and so he directs his angels. Watch, it says, his angels, he gives them charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That word keep means that he tells his angels to put a hedge about us, to guard us, to protect, or to, watch this, to attend to our every need. That's the beauty of having the shepherd. Oh, listen, he gives his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 12, they, those angels, shall bear thee or lift thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. From 1 Peter 5, 7, the Bible says, teaches us that we can cast our care on him, the great, chief, the good, and on and on, shepherd of our souls, we can cast our care on him. Why? Because he cares for us. and Because he cares, he leads us. Hey, if we had a shepherd who did not give a hoot, did not care, was not interested in us, then we could not say that he leads us. But because scripture reveals that we do have a shepherd who cares, we can confidently and boldly know that he leads us. Oh, take comfort in being led by the shepherd who knows us and is taking us on a journey. Hey, say I'm on a journey. journey. There was somebody who said I will not say that. I got news for you. Whether you want to say you're on a journey or not, you're on a journey. And you know what the good news is? I don't need a GPS and I don't need a map because guess what? Jesus Christ the righteous is leading my life. Oh, he's doing big things because he's a big God. Oh, yes. We can take comfort in knowing that in this journey, our shepherd, this journey will ultimately culminate This journey that you're on, if you're a believer, if you're a sheep, if you're owned by the shepherd, if you're being led by the shepherd, you can take comfort in knowing that your ultimate destination will be reached. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit has sealed us unto the day of redemption. Oh, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Hey, I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. I don't even need to know the way because my shepherd is leading the way each and every day. Oh, Jesus gives us a glimpse of our eternal destination. You remember he talked to his disciples about that. He said in John 14, 1, and five, he said, In my Father's house, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, watch this, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Somebody get excited. Please. Please get excited. We just got done singing, uh, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. We just got done talking about in his presence, in the presence of Jehovah. Well, five of you got excited about in the presence of Jehovah. I got news for you. Being in the presence of Jehovah beats anybody else's presence. I don't care whose presence you're in. You can meet all the famous people, all the great leaders, all down through the quarters of time. And at the end of the day, there is no greater presence to be in than in the presence of Jehovah. Oh, listen, Jesus proclaimed in John 10 in verse 27. I shared it a couple weeks ago. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And he continued with some even greater news in verse 28 by saying, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Oh, what a joy it is to know. It's a joy to know that the Lord, when we are being led by the Lord, our shepherd, we shall never perish. You ain't done with me. You ain't done with me, Krita. KVR, you're not done with me. Listen, you may not recognize me as your honey bun up in glory, but you ain't done with me. All right. You're not done. If you're one of the sheep, we shall never, we shall never, watch this, we shall never, perish there's no doubt let me just stop for just a second because there's no doubt in this journey of life there may be difficult times we have church members who are not able to be with us today they're going through difficult times We celebrate and we praise the healing of Patty. Patty looks like she didn't even have a a hip replacement. She comes strolling in here like it's nobody's business. And then if that ain't enough, look, Rosalie comes strutting down the main. She wanted to know if she could race me. You don't want to race me, Rosalie. She said, yes, I do. She said, I see you're hobbling on that foot. I'll take you out. We can celebrate what God is doing in the lives of one another, but do you know that the road may be difficult at times? There are people right now that are in the hospital that are at home. People are falling. People who are sick. People who are facing surgeries. People are facing difficult times in their lives. But I got news for you. When you're being led by the shepherd, it doesn't matter what you have to go through. Oh, listen, you want to know why? Because the shepherd knows exactly where he's leading us and why he is leading us. I might get excited today. That being said, let's take a quick look because here's the question. People say, you just don't know what's going on in my life. You're right. and You don't know what's going on in mine. You ever stop to think about that? We always, we always, listen, you know what? And I'm guilty of it too. We never stop to think what's going on in the pastor's life. Or the associate pastor, the youth pastor, and on and on. The music uh, pastor. We don't, we don't ever stop to think about those things. We all have things going on in our lives. But we have to ask ourselves a question. Look at this verse because I'm going to show you something. Where is the shepherd leading us? Where is he leading us? Look at verse number two because we get a two-fold answer right away in this one verse. In verse number 2, the Bible points out that the shepherd leads his sheep, watch it, into rest and refreshment. Rest and refreshment. Notice David says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. Can you see it? Our Lord takes us into green pastures. Listen, He doesn't always take you to where the grass is green just so you can graze, so that you get fat on the green grass of, of the Lord sometimes he takes us into the green pastures and you know what he does he says lay down yeah, that's right. you want to know why he says lay down because we're not real good at doing it ourselves that's right. now you're gonna see a lot of analogies being a sheep you know what sheep are they're about the most fearful animal there is I'm just being honest you struggle with fear it comes naturally to to sheep because that's what it is. Sometimes the Lord leads us into the green pastures, not just to graze, but to lay us down. Notice he says to lie down. Look at also verse number two. Our Lord leads us beside the still waters to be refreshed. This is vitally important because I just said sheep are fearful. And they're fearful of moving water. The reason sheep are fearful of moving water is that if they fall down into such a body of water, the reality is their coat. Becomes like a sponge. It becomes like a sponge. And what happens is their body gets soaked up with water and they become so heavy that in moving water, watch this, the moving water can cause them to what? Stumble and fall. Does anybody seeing anybody picking this up, believers? Sometimes we get so soaked up with the world, so soaked up with our own ways, so soaked up with the attacks of the devil and his minions, right? We get soaked up and we trip and we fall, and the reality is you need a shepherd to keep you from the moving waters. Because when sheep get soaked up with water, guess what? They're at risk of drowning. And so notice what happens in a very real sense. A good shepherd, here's what a good shepherd would do. A good shepherd would find a way to dam up the water of the creek or the river or find some pool of still water so that his sheep could get refreshed from the still water. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. The sheep says, you know what? The, the shepherd says, you need to lay down. Anybody tired this morning? Travis preached a message a few weeks ago on leftovers. Anybody, anybody feel like all they've got is a little bit of leftovers this morning? You're tired? You're feeling weary? Can I tell you there's no need to feel weary? There's no need to feel tired when you have the shepherd leading your life. Oh, listen... The shepherd gets the still pool of water so that the sheep can be refreshed. What a beautiful picture of our shepherd and what he does and where he leads his, his sheep to provide things that are essential. But here's another thing. Not only in this, this idea of refreshing, but if we go back and we think about this idea of rest, rest does not come easily or naturally. Because I said sheep are fearful. They're always, they're always uh, apprehensive. And so the reality is our shepherd leads us into into rest because honestly, if he doesn't do it, we fail to do it on our own. And I'm taking my own medicine right here because I know a lot of you are saying, Pastor, all you do is work, 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 work. I'm taking a little bit of my syrup today too. My little two tablespoons of castor oils, if you please. Thank God for new medicines. When I was a kid, it seemed like the doctor, all he ever prescribed was castor oil. I was like, this player must not have gone to med school. <laughs> He's just, he just relying on grandma's uh, uh, recipes. Yes, it did work. I heard you. <laughs> you see, what happens is we convince ourselves during stressful seasons of life. Here's what happens. We convince ourselves, watch it. Northern Virginia, that we don't have time. I don't have, Pastor, I don't have time to rest. In case you didn't understand, this is Northern Virginia. Oh, I understand full well since I was born in Northern Virginia, right? I was born at a hospital that no longer exists on Fort Belvoir, Virginia, at hosp- I'm so old, they tore that hospital down. <laughs> they had to build a new one. Guys, I understand the busyness of life. I really do. I spent many years going in and out of Arlington and Washington, D.C., and fighting that horrific thing called I-66. You're lucky, because now you have express lanes. There were no such lanes when I was traversing in and out of those areas. There was no express either. (laughs) You basically got in the parking lot known as I-66. But here's the deal. We convince ourselves that we don't have time to be still or rest. And notice what David says. Look, Notice back in the text, because in verse number 2, David says, He maketh me. He makes me. Maketh. By the way, that's in the present tense. As we'll see next week, it's in the present tense. And so David is saying, not only has has he made me rest in the past, he's making me rest now, and I'm assured that he's going to have to make me rest in the future. And notice what he says, he maketh me to lie down. And so you have to ask the question, why? Why does he have to make me to lie? because the the reality is that we are apprehensive by nature and our defense capabilities are severely limited. Do you know what a sheep's defense capability is? They run, but they're not very fast. They're pretty slow, comparatively speaking. They're all types of animals that can defend themselves. But why does scripture keep pointing us, why does scripture point out that we are sheep of his pasture? Why is he the shepherd? Why, why couldn't we be a lion? Why couldn't we be some other big elephant, like an elephant? Why can't we just tromp all over things? Why, why are we sheep? Because I think the Lord is trying to teach us something here. The reality is sheep are social animals. They're very so social and that's what we are for the most part social animals. We stay together. And here's the picture when the shepherds flock, when they stay together, they do so to protect themselves from predators. That's why the Bible also says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but even so much more as you see the day approaching. You're, Attending church isn't for the pastor. Attending church, can I just say this lovingly? Attending church isn't even for me or for you. We gather to worship the Lord. And because we take time and gather as a body to worship the Lord, the the good, the chief, the great shepherd of our soul, then we are encouraged, we are admonished, we are taught, we grow, and on and on. All those things are byproducts of the reality is that the reason we gather, the reason we gather as a called-out assembly of baptized believers is to worship the one who is worthy to be worshipped. Oh, listen, this is such important stuff. Sheep are social animals. So when sheep scatter and separate, they become more susceptible to danger. Moving together as a flock protects individual sheep from being attacked. Other than, I read this earlier this week, one of the only defense mechanisms in close quarters, in a, in a close environment that a sheep has, is a headbutt. You know the other defense mechanism? Is run, to flee. Just like sheep, We tend to run first and think later, don't we? When something comes up in life, when we're facing some hardship in the home, in the workplace, right? What we do many times instead of following what the shepherd has to say, we we run, we take off, we set our own course for adventure, if you please. But we're not that fast. So it becomes very difficult to lie down because we're apprehensive of what may take place. And so the shepherd has to make us lie down. By the way, he doesn't make us lie down as punishment. Say, well, why does the shepherd make us lie down? He doesn't make us lie down as punishment. He makes us lie down as a way of getting us to rest. Unfortunately, we fail many times to rest because we know that as sheep we're vulnerable. And instead of trusting the Lord, our shepherd, instead of keeping our mind stayed on Him, as Isaiah 26.3 teaches, we spend much of our time trying to figure figure things out and fix things on our own. And since our natural, natural defense mechanism says run, that's exactly what we do. By the way, that's exactly what David did. Isn't that what David did? He ran and he ran from King Saul. He ran and ran. Absalom was trying to take his dad down, right? You remember that? David ran from Saul. He dealt with the divided nation. He had this dysfunctional family that was was in his life, and he carried enormous weight and responsibility of being the king of God's people, earthly king of God's people. And so how could he rest? He only had rest the same way that you and I have rest. He said, the Lord makes me rest. He said, see, I try to do things on my own. I try to come up with my own answers, and all I do is run, and I run, and I run. I become like the proverbial hamster on the wheel. You remember when that was a thing? How many people have hamsters here today? Hamsters are out of business. <laughs> I remember a time when, like you asked that in a church, man, everybody had hamsters. Nobody having hamsters, Because you know what hamsters do? All they do is run around on the wheel or sit around and eat. What do they do? Don't ask me what my dog does. All he does is eat and sleep. (laughs) Right? Oh, listen, we have to be careful. David ran and ran and ran for years. He said, the Lord makes me to rest. Rest comes, as we sang that song a moment ago, rest comes when the shepherd is present in our lives. Notice the phrase, green pastures and still waters. That's a reference to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Talking about the Word of God, He He, He leads me beside the still waters where I can be refreshed. Oh, listen, when we look and see our shepherd leading us, that's when we find rest. That's when we feel safe. You remember David when he went out to... To fight Goliath, remember, he had to tell Saul about battling a lion and a bear. And I got news for you. Whether a lion, a bear, a wolf, or anything worse comes into your life, when the shepherd is leading, when the shepherd is guiding, when the shepherd is providing rest and refreshment, you have no need to fear. Because we know that if a lion should show up, our shepherd will take care of it. You want to know why? Because he's got that staff. He carries that staff. And I'll not get into all of it right now, but that staff is, is, is important in a couple of ways. Typically, we see a staff, we see a little crook on the end of it. Oh, it can be used for a number of things. I'd encourage you to do your own study on that. It's a beautiful picture of what the shepherd has at his disposal. Look at verse 4. You see, because in verse 4, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks a little bit further, David takes this thought a step further about this idea that we, can, that we can know that our shepherd will deal with whatever we face. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. He says, I'm not alone. The shepherd's with me. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not alone. He'll take care of it. Whatever comes my way, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen, you and I can rest no matter what comes our way when the shepherd is present. But here's the deal. If the shepherd were to leave the field or if the shepherd is not present in the field, you and I will never find rest. Because you know what we'll do? We'll, keep, we'll stay on our feet. Why? Why will we stay on our feet? Why will we not lay down? Because we are fearful, we are vulnerable, and we are afraid of anything that comes our way. And what's our natural defense mechanism? To run. And so, we get, so what happens is we stay on our feet. We're always looking around, waiting for something tragic to happen. And when something tragic happens, instead of running to the Savior, we run in all different directions away from the Savior. Here's the point. If we want to have real rest, the Good Shepherd must, re- must remain in view at all times. If you want to have real rest... The shepherd must remain in view at all times. Oh, we can safely lie down in green pastures in the midst of a hateful time, a dangerous time in our life only when he remains in view. His presence is what gives you and I rest. And listen, I want to just say this. Rest is not the absence of problems. Having rest in the Lord doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems or pressures the rest of today. It's an evidence of a greater peace that resides in you. Oh, the good shepherd leads his sheep to rest. David said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. But notice lastly, also, he not only leads us into rest and refreshment, he leads us into righteousness. In verse 3, he said, he leadeth me into righteousness. There are times... Watch this there are times for rest and refreshment and then there are times as believers to move forward. You know what happens many times for believers, we become stagnant because what we do, watch this, we in a proverbial way, we sit down and say, I'm a sheep, I'm a member of the flock. Good luck over there. I hope you get a shepherd. I hope you meet the shepherd. And instead of moving forward in righteousness, we sit on our bumps, so to speak, wanting to soak up all the rest and all the refreshment we can get. But that's not what David is talking about. Notice in Scripture. In Scripture, there's a righteousness that is given to you and I by Jesus Christ, which enables us to rest. But what David is pointing out here is a righteousness to which you and I are called to by Jesus Christ. We are given rest and refreshment, but our shepherd also calls us to live in righteousness. Paul put it this way in Philippians 3, 9, saying, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that. He's talking about that type of righteousness, which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of or from God by, how do we get it? By faith. The righteousness that comes from God, watch this, depends on faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so this is what David is talking about. You and I become right with God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. That's what Titus 3, 5 says to us. But from the righteousness of our Lord. His righteousness becomes ours when you and I become His. His righteousness, think about it, becomes ours when you and I become His. When we are bought and born into the holy flock of God, we also get that righteousness. And David is saying he not only gives us this righteousness, but he is also calling us to live in righteousness. In Romans chapter 8, in verse number 1, the Bible says, there, Now there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Having been given the righteousness of Christ, listen, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. When you get the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life, it's just the beginning. In fact, 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25, Peter says, who by his own self, speaking of Jesus, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live. Watch as he says, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed for you were a sheep going astray. But now watch what he says. In Christ, you are returned unto the shepherd." and bishop of your souls. Oh, there's a way that seems right unto a man. And then there's also a way that seems right to God. You want to know why? Because he has the right path. The path that we sometimes choose is not the right path. He is always leading us in the right path. By the way, look at verse number three where he says, he leadeth me in the Watch this, the phrase, paths of righteousness. That phrase right there literally means he leads me in right paths. He does not lead his sheep in the wrong direction. Oh, listen, we may deal with difficult situations and difficult seasons of life, but it's an encouragement to know that the Lord, our shepherd, is always going to lead us to... And through those situations on the right path you say this can't be right for my life why am I struggling why am I going through this what is the see because we don't have God's thoughts or ways what we do many times is we question we say why is this happening to me I'm trying to live by faith. I'm trying to walk this this life to please the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, you're doing a great job. Even though you can't see it, you're doing a great job. But when things come into our lives that hurt and that are hard, what we do is instead of believing that the Lord has us on the right path, we begin to question our shepherd's leadership. We start asking, we start saying, this must not be the Lord's path. Because it's uncomfortable. I got news for you. The Lord's path for Paul was a little uncomfortable. The Lord's path for David who wrote this was a little uncomfortable at times. But listen, being in Christ, there, there's no promise of a rose garden in here for you. Like life, You know, the rose-colored glasses effect. Like we put on the rose... No offense, Rose. No rose-colored glass effect, right? Sometimes we have to walk through difficult seasons of life. But we can be assured the shepherd has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's leading us in paths of righteousness, the right path. It may not be easy as verse 4 and 5 acknowledge the valley of the shadow of death and the presence of enemies. But we can still have confidence that our shepherd has a perfect plan and he has a perfect path to lead us on. And it may not always be beside the still waters. You say, man, I wish I could get some still waters in my life. It seems like the shepherd's been leading me through rough waters many times. Can I just say this? That's nothing new. I'm not trying to diminish what you're you're going through. You say, man, I feel like the shepherd's leading me through rough waters. Do you know that's exactly what he did in Scripture? Maybe you recall, maybe just a couple of thoughts. In the New Testament, you remember Jesus he tells his disciples, he says, Hey, get in the boat. Meet me over on the other side of the sea. You remember? A horrific storm comes up. One time he's sleeping in the boat as if he doesn't care. The other time he's out walking on the water. Rough storms and rough seas are nothing nothing uh, uh, above the ability of our great God and shepherd. In the, and you say, Well, that's, that's a couple of instances. Good, good. Uh, okay. What about in the Old Testament? Anybody recall where God led the children of Israel? It was through a rough body of water called the Red Sea. And you know what he did in that moment? He said, go ahead, touch the water. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Touch the water and see what happens. No, he didn't say that. But I like to think in my mind that he probably had a sense of humor. I'm gonna see if he's gonna exercise faith. Uh God, you want me to, you want me to what? I mean, do you see this sea? They're gonna kill us. He said, put it in the water. Exercise some faith. I'm trying to lead you through this rough body of water, but you gotta have faith. You know what faith is? Taking the first step before God reveals the second. And that's what faith is. God said, Hey, put it in the water. And what happened? It opened up and, and the Bible says they walked through as if it was not even their feet got wet does anybody get what I'm saying this is our God he has the power to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think and instead of following him sometimes we try to follow or come up with our own devices we come up with our own answers he's got all the answers they're all found in Jesus Christ. Psalm 77 points to this time of the Red Sea. You ever read Psalm 77? It points to the time of the Red Sea. Now watch it. Because if you're not careful, you just kind of glaze over it sometimes in the Psalms. And in Psalm 77, in verse number 19 and 20, listen to what the Bible says. Thy way, thy way is in the what? and thy path in the great waters. Sometimes the path, the right path, is through rough seas and rough waters. But watch what it continues to say. And thy footsteps are not known. Verse 20, Thou lettest thy people like a what? Like a flock, By the hand of Moses and Aaron, there will be times when our shepherd's leading may seem absolutely impossible or times when it may even be hard to detect that the shepherd is actually leading us. But look back at verse number 19. It says, thy footsteps are not known. We couldn't see you, Lord. We didn't know what you were doing. We didn't know what you were up to. And then there's times when God says, listen, I'm trying to lead you and I've got Moses and Aaron there trying to lead you, but you won't listen to them because all you're doing is filled with grumbling and murmuring. You want to go back to Egypt, but just listen to who I put in front of you. Uh Uh-oh. We don't like that one, but look at verse 20. Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of God. Of Moses and Aaron our Shepherd leads us into rest and refreshment and he leads us into righteousness and he does so for a purpose that's why you and I must trust him every day day by day by day after day after day after day Proverbs 3 in verse 5 and 6 says this trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he, the great, the good, the great, the chief shepherd of your souls, he, he shall direct your paths. Oh friends, there's great peace and confidence in knowing that our Lord will lead us in the right paths of life. Listen, the Bible says in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. But why does he do it? Why does he do all this? Why does he make us lie down? Why does he buy the flock? Why does he birth the flock? Why does he lead the flock? Why does he do all of this? I'm glad you asked because the very last phrase of verse number three tells us he does all of this for his name's sake. And since his name, not my name, not your name, since his name, the creator, the sustainer of the earth, the creator, sustainer of your life, since he and since his name is at stake, you and I, you and I can be sure that our shepherd will see us through all the way home. And do you know, that I'm just not making this up. You say, well, that's one verse of Scripture. But you know, this was important to God all through Scripture. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22 and 23, notice what God says. He says, I do not this for your sakes. I'm not doing what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to sprinkle you with some water and clean you up. I'm getting ready to take out your stony heart. I'm getting ready to give you a heart of flesh. I'm getting ready to do some big things. But I'm not doing it for your sakes. Notice he says, but for mine holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen. Even though you've profaned my name, I'm going to show myself strong. I'm going to do it for my name's sake. He says, whitherever you went, you were profaning my name. Verse 23, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall what? Shall know. I'm doing it because my name is at stake. They're going to know that I am large. They are going to know that I am in charge and that they better not mess around with me. Isaiah 43, 25, God said, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Watch here again. For my own sake. For my own sake, and will not remember thy sins. When God blots out our transgressions, the reason, the very first reason he blots our transgressions out is for his own sake, not mine. That's crazy. And that may feel offensive to you, but that ought to be good news to you. Because he says, my name's at stake. If I'm God of very God, then I'm going to show you I'm God of very God. All these other little idols are nothing. He said, I'm showing you. We are not worthy. I put as I close, we're not worthy of rest. We're not worthy of refreshment. And we're certainly not worthy of righteousness. But God, who is rich in mercy, he loved us. And he gave himself for us, Right? As Ephesians tells us, He gave Himself for us so that we might have this rest, so that we might be able to be refreshed in Him, that we might have and walk in His righteousness. Oh, truly, our shepherd is the only eternal, immortal, invisible, wise God and good shepherd. And if you're a believer here today, if you're one of the sheep, if you're one of the sheep, I put in my notes, you can be comforted and encouraged knowing that your shepherd is going to lead you, and not only you, but every other bought and born again member of that flock to our eternal destination. John chapter 10, I remind you again, as I did a couple weeks ago, right? It's not only a personal relationship. It's not only a protected relationship. It is a permanent relationship When you are one of the shepherd's sheep. In verse 28 again, here's what he says And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never, never, watch, never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's great news if you're a believer. You may be here and you say, You know what? I've been struggling, I need some assurance. I'm on a path. The Lord's got me on a journey, and I need a little assurance. Can I tell you, there's, there, one of the greatest assurances you could have is knowing that the shepherd is leading you, not for our sake, not for your sake, but for his name's sake. There's great assurance in knowing that no matter what you're going through, he has a plan and a path, the right path for each and every one of you. And if you've yet to turn away from sin and turn to the good shepherd, I encourage you to do that right now because the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, yes, when you come to the shepherd, you become one of the sheep, so to speak. There's a beautiful, beautiful portrait that's beginning to unfold, and this is just the first verse. He leads us. You need rest? Let the shepherd give you that rest. He's the one that'll make you to lie down in green pastures. Are you in in need of refreshment? He's the one that leads his sheep beside the still waters. Are you? Listen, we have the righteousness of Christ, if you're a believer, but maybe it's been a while since you've been walking in that righteousness. Maybe you've been trying to come up with your own scheme, your own desire, your own plan. Can I encourage you to let the shepherd of your soul lead you into all righteousness as he himself is righteous. We're going to have a moment of prayer and you come. You know, you say, well, what's the point? The point is to come and to give glory and praise and honor to the shepherd. You say, well, I do that on my own time. You know, there's no greater time to do it right when the Lord is speaking to us. And so we'll open up the altar just for a moment as we sing this song of invitation, you come and give God the glory that he deserves. If you have a need, you come, and we'll pray with you, we'll pray for you, whatever the need is, we'll do that. If you don't know Christ, can I beg you that you would step, that the, listen, the word of God and the spirit of God are moving in this place. It is apparent. I pray that they have brought you to the point of decision. Hey, listen, faith is a requirement, and so you must exercise a little faith. To be one of the sheep father we love you we thank you for your love wherewith you loved us by sending your son to die for us the good the chief the great Shepherd of our souls Lord I pray that you will have your will in your way as we have a time of prayer a time of reflection a time of repentance if needed Lord that we would desire to be led by you that we would understand that we'll only have rest and refreshment through you and in you, in your presence. Lord, I pray that you will help us. God, help us to walk in your righteousness, which we have not because of our own selves or because of anything that we've done, but because of you and your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would be honored in this time, that you would hear our prayers and you would answer them according to your will and according to your plan and path for our lives. Lord, we love you and praise you. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake, amen.